0: Welcome to the Health Pulse podcast. I'm Dr. Connor Delaney, CEO and President of Cleveland Clinic Florida. Often when we think about organ donation, we think about organ donations that occur after the donor has passed away. However, sometimes organs can be donated from living donors. When organ transplant recipients are paired with a living donor, they can receive an organ much earlier in the process and spare themselves what is often a long and uncertain wait. So here to tell us more about this process is Dr. Antonio Pina, the Regional Institute Chair for Transplant, and Dr. Zervas. Uh, Bobby is the medical director uh, for Transplantation Department at Cleveland Clinic Florida. Antonio and Bobby, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Dr. Delany.
0: Dr. Pina, can you please share a little bit about your background with us?
1: Yeah, sure, uh, Dr. Delany. I uh, after my training in Pittsburgh with the transplant pioneer, Dr. Stazel, I spent some time with the Dr. Tazakis down at the University of Miami. And then uh, I moved back to Italy where I started a very active uh, uh, transplant activity and H P B activity at the University of Bologna. I then joined the Cleveland Clinic in Abu Dhabi on the 2017, where we started a very active uh, transplant program in Abu Dhabi and then uh, I moved here in Florida to join Cleveland Clinic Florida in 2020.
0: Uh, Thanks Tony. Um, Knowing Pittsburgh well, having spent a couple of years there doing research for a master's and PhD, um, it was an amazing place for transplant and Dr. Starzl was absolutely a pioneer and a a visionary and the, the people he trained including you are Or his legacy and what you've been able to accomplish in Abu Dhabi starting the living donor transplant program there and with us here in Florida is really exciting. Dr. Zervos has more experience here he's been here for a long time and maybe Bobby you could talk a little bit about um, your background as well.
2: Sure thank you Dr. Delaney Uh, so I consider myself to be a a South Floridian Uh, I went to medical school here uh, at Nova Southeastern Also have some roots in Pittsburgh. I did my residency up at Pittsburgh and then came back to complete my fellowship uh, in transplant and GI at the University of Miami. Uh, Following that, I moved to Orlando where I helped uh, sort of build the transplant program. And during that time at the Florida hospital, I was the associate program director for the fellowship and then eventually transitioned into the medical directorship role there. Uh, When the opportunity to come back to South Florida uh, opened here, uh, Cleveland Clinic Weston. Uh, I was very excited, enthusiastic, and I've been here uh, since the inception of the program nine years um, and looking forward to continue building the program in the, the years to come.
0: Well, I'm only here in Florida about 18 months, but we're loving every minute of it. And I'm really excited, Bobby, that with all your experience, you're here and Tony as well. We have a phenomenal team and what you are doing is just really exciting. So maybe Tony, you could start off and please explain to the audience what a living donor transplant is.
1: Yes, uh, that's a very interesting question. So in uh, in this special case, a living donor is uh, when a living person wants to donate their portion, a small portion of their liver, to one uh, uh, to a patient waiting for a liver transplant. Now the. Very interesting thing is that uh, the liver, is a, a unique organ that can regenerate pretty fast. So the donation of a small portion of a, a, of a liver from a living donor actually promotes the uh, origin of two full livers, one for the donor that has donated a small portion and the full liver for the recipient who received a small portion of, of the liver from a living person.
0: It's incredible. Yes, there aren't too many yeah. organs in the body that regrow.
1: So yeah, for is, one really for one organ, you get two organs.
0: That's right. Absolutely. Now, this brings consequent benefits, um, and there. Are, so maybe you talk through some of the benefits of the living donor transplant over the deceased donor transplant.
1: Of course, this is important because uh, we may we may have to understand why we want to do this kind of a technically challenged procedure of a living donor liver transplant. So the, the system works so that uh, liver, livers from cadaveric uh, donors is a very, uh, let's say limited resource compared to the amount of patients that are waiting for a liver transplant. The system tried to privilege the urgency to have a liver transplant. So only the very sick patients can receive an organ transplant, liver transplant in a, a timely fashion. Uh, however, what happened is that uh, patients that uh, do not get access from a cadaveric liver transplant because their condition is uh, relatively stable, or they have a cancer who does not qualify for an uh, ur- urgency allocation of a liver organ, they may die on the list. And uh, we know we have data that at least at least half of the patients on the waiting list, they do not qualify for an urgent liver allocation, they can die on the waiting list for complication. So what a living donor liver transplant can achieve is to transplant in a timely fashion, a patient who is waiting for the liver transplant and May is going to deteriorate suddenly to the point that he cannot be anymore a transplant candidate. And I'm referring especially to patient with liver cancer or patient with the severe encephalopathy or patient with the renal dysfunction secondary to the liver disease.
0: So that's really important. So kind of the cliff notes are that this is a new, different way to get an organ donation. So we're not depending on a a patient to pass away and donate or a person to pass away and donate the organ. This is something that comes from a friend or a family member And patients can be transplanted earlier at a time when they do better and at a time when they otherwise wouldn't be eligible um, for a transplant. So, Dr. Zervas, maybe how would a patient know if they're a candidate to receive a transplant or to need a transplant performed in the first place?
2: So, as Dr. Pina referenced, our livers have the ability to regenerate. And so, the timing is very important. Individuals can have chronic liver disease and really not be aware about it. Um, and suddenly come to us and say, you know, up until a week ago, I was working, I was healthy, and now suddenly I'm being told that I have cirrhosis, and my liver's not working well. So there's multiple ways that we approach this. Uh, the first way is by looking at a reference score that we refer to as the MELD score, or model of end liver disease. And this gives us a calculated score that gives us sort of insight as to either how well the liver's functioning or how much it's struggling. So when we see the MELT score climbing above 15, that's typically a good time to be referred and come in and have the liver transplant evaluation started. Now, having said that, because our livers have the ability to regenerate, they can be cirrhotic, they can be functioning very well, have very low MELT scores, but for the topic that we're discussing, the quality of life can be very poor because the main blood supply into the liver that comes from the portal vein can have a lot of resistance. And from this, we can start seeing manifestations of GI bleeding, ascites, uh, muscle loss, uh, the requirement for paracentesis to be frequent. And as a result, the quality of life is very poor, but is not necessarily captured by the MELD score. In addition to that, having a low MELD score maybe not having what we refer to as portal hypertension, individuals can develop cancer in the liver because the regenerative properties increase the risk when there's cirrhosis and scarring present of patients having cancer. And so in situations where quality of life is poor or we have cancer situations, this is where a live liver donor transplant would be the most optimal situation for those patients.
0: So essentially there's populations of people who can have kind of stable failure. So they're getting the muscle loss and the bleeding and fluid in their tummy and those who can acutely decompensate and that pushes them up the urgency on the waiting list. But for these people who are fairly stable, but not functioning too well, and this is really something to explore because we can help them get better more quickly. So often we see donors as a family member, Um, or a relative, but they're also non-directed living donors. Maybe you could talk a little bit, Bobby, about the requirements and evaluation process to become a non-directed donor.
2: So non-directed donation um, can occur if you're interested in helping someone that um, you may not necessarily uh, know. Um, And so we look for individuals that don't have any significant other medical Uh, issues, have not had any prior surgeries uh, to their abdomen, and really just have a really strong uh, desire and will to help another uh, human being out in a situation where otherwise um, it may ultimately lead to a terminal situation um, and worsening quality of life. So with non-directed donation, um, you just need to contact our office either by calling or sending an email, and I can provide that contact information. Um, letting us know that you're interested and being evaluated as a possible uh, uh, liver donor. And then from there, the process starts with getting some basic uh, input information about overall general state of health, why the interest to donating. Um, And once that's completed and done, we really match up primarily based off of blood type and size to someone who's on the wait list and unfortunately doesn't have a high enough MELD score or may not have a a family member or someone in their network of friends that's an appropriate match to be considered as a living donor for them.
0: Uh, So maybe you could give us the contact details just for listeners, and we'll also put them at the end of the video.
2: Yes, the phone number is 954-659-6050, and the email address is livercenter at ccf.org.
0: So, livercenter at ccf.org. That's great. Thank you. So, Tony, switching back to you on the surgical side, maybe you could talk a little bit about the risks or complications associated with a living donor transplant and therefore the importance of
1: having a really well trained and really experienced team. Absolutely. Those are the learning. The, the living donor liver transplant is a, a very complex procedure, a highly technologically challenged. Uh, you need to get into the liver in order to separate safely, one portion of the liver that you are going to transplant from the portion that stays into the donor. And the procedure in the donor has to be done in a perfect technical way. Uh, in the recipient, the challenge comes to in connecting small vessels uh, in order to revascularize the liver and especially to reconnect the biliary system of the donor piece of liver to the biliary system of the recipient. Uh, The complications are a little different between donor, risk of complications are different between the donor and the recipient. In the donor, what is paramount is to making a, a clear mapping and reconstruction of the anatomy, of the morphology of the donor liver in order to understand exactly which one is the best portion that we can donate to the recipient without avoiding a risk and technical complication into the donor. And the procedure has to be done very carefully, meticulously, and uh, without rush. A shortcut is not the shortcut is not the way to do a donor procedure. Uh, in the recipient, uh, we need to use all the possible technology available in order to reconstruct the small vessels and evaluating the flow of the blood into the liver. So uh, we are using a macroscopical surgical technique. We use a surgical microscope to reconstruct the liver, and uh, we are using a, the, the Cleveland Clinic team. is using an innovative procedure in order to improve the blood flow into a small portion of the liver and at the same time, increasing the outflow of blood from the liver, avoiding congestion into the receiving liver. So it's a very, as I said, it's a very technical, challenging procedure. Complication, there are of course complications. It's a major, it's a major surgery. In the donor, in the past, in the other uh, place have been uh, described even donor deaths. That's because there was a lack of attention on deciding which portion of the liver can be removed safely from the donor. And and also the the technique in the recipient was not as advanced as we know now. Um, The main complication nowadays can be the pain. And uh, we have a lot of effort in order to control the pain after the surgery in the donor. So we're using a combination of epidural anesthesia, uh, drug anesthesia uh, after the surgery, and uh, without, uh, of course, decreasing uh, the bowel function of the donor. And in the recipient is paramount to continue control the liver function even three times in a day, three times in a day, with the three ultrasounds, CT scan every, every week, So the donor recipients are going to be monitored very,
0: very, very carefully. Yeah, I I think it's just really impressive what you and the enterprise team have done and how routine this has become and the nice stages that you have. And just to review that, you talked about a lot of really detailed information there, Tony, but so it's preoperative imaging, uh, meaning x-rays and scans uh, for the donor so we can map out their anatomy to very precisely remove the donor part of the liver. And Absolutely. then the surgeries overlap. So the donor surgery starts, the recipient are in two rooms side by yeah. side, right. and we can, and we can um, get the liver prepared, put into the donor, and it's, it's really effective. And as Dr. Apina mentioned, it's become so standardized now that it's not that there's never a problem, but we've really been able to make so much of the surgery routine that pain is one of the most difficult things to manage afterwards, and even that now we manage very well. So really the surgical process has become as routine as possible. And it's something that we, we can explore very routinely. So, so Bobby, switching back to you, once the surgery is over, um, roughly how long are the donor and recipients hospitalized and how long is the recovery process?
2: So as you know, Dr. Pina alluded to, um, you know, these living donor transplants require a team effort Um, So following the the transplant itself, um, we followed the recipient in the ICU from anywhere from one to two days with the transplant surgeons, the liver specialists, the surgical intensivists, uh, and their team, including our pharmacists, dietitians. So it's really a team effort from start to finish in providing care. But the ICU stay is sort of the most critical time where we monitor all the very important dynamics, blood pressure, heart rate. Uh, lab values consistent to the liver, how the liver is regenerating itself, any potential signs of bleeding. And typically for the donor, that is anywhere from one to two days. Um, Once we feel comfortable that we've sort of passed that critical 24 to 48 hour period, we transition care upstairs to our step-down unit. And then that stay can be expected to be on average about three days. So collectively about a five-day admission um, before being discharged after giving the um, you know the portion of the liver to the recipient. Now the recipient varies as we mentioned that the degree of complications uh, can be very different from one person to another. So if it's an individual who's receiving the organ because they had cancer in their liver they may actually be very healthy and that recipient may stay equally maybe five or seven days in the hospital following the transplant. If it's someone, however, who has significant portal hypertension or issues with blood flow dynamics and they've lost a lot of muscle, they've been producing a lot of fluid or ascites and are very weak and decompensated, their hospitalization and stay in the ICU may be slightly longer than uh, both the donor and someone who is not as decompensated.
0: Right, and that's the thing for people to appreciate, that often these operations are being done for people who are in very significant and sometimes very acute liver failure. So going into the operation, they're very sick. So the donor recovers very quickly uh, and it takes a little longer for the liver to function and for them to get better uh, and over the liver failure well enough to go home. So finally, Bobby, um, maybe you want to mention some remarkable success stories from the program that are worth highlighting for the audience.
2: Absolutely. This is uh, this is real exciting times. Um, I think with all modern technology that we now have, we've really been able to really globalize the opportunity for living donation. Um, I can give two examples of um, a father daughter, the daughter living overseas in Europe and actually contacting us. And we started the process and did the majority of her evaluation while she lived overseas. And then we're able to electronically submit her information to us. And once Dr. Pina made the assessment that she would be potentially a good donor, we then asked her to travel over here and be seen in person and schedule the surgery and all of that. Uh, The other one is between two friends, uh, been lifelong friends, and one lives uh, in the northwest part of the country, the other one down here in the southeast part of the country. And again, with technology, we were able to make an assessment as to whether or not the friend would be an appropriate donor uh, to their friend and after we got sort of through the initial stuff doing some of the imaging lab tests and everything and we felt confident that that individual could potentially be a good donor we then asked them to physically come here so you don't necessarily have to be living in south florida to reach out and contact us you could really be anywhere in the world and have an interest to be a potential donor reach out to us whether it's on behalf of a family member, a friend, or even just wanting to do good in society, and we'll be able to make that happen.
0: Well, Dr. Zervos, Dr. Pena, thank you for all you're doing leading uh, our, our liver transplant program. And thank you for sharing with us really what is such an incredibly compelling story. I think it's one that really represents the outstanding care that you and we as a team provide here at Cleveland Clinic. I really appreciate you taking us into the world of transplantation really enjoyed the discussion. And I've no doubt that our listeners did as well.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: To our listeners, to learn more about the transplant team at Cleveland Clinic Florida, please visit ccf.org and visit our page under transplant programs. And join me next time on our next episode of the Health Pulse podcast.